19 as we have the last uh, many Thursday nights, Psalm 119. And tonight we're going to start in verse 57. And we'll just start reading in verse 57, read through verse 64, and then try to delve in here tonight. It says, Thou art my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep thy words. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. The bands of the wicked have robbed me, but I have not forgotten thy law. At midnight I will rise and give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of thy mercy. Teach me thy statutes. Now, we are dividing this psalm up just as the psalmist did in different eight-verse sections. And uh, each verse uh, begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And he is again using the tools of Hebrew poetry, which are not the rhyming of words, but the rhyming of thoughts and ideas and, and the, uh, the comparing of them to build the entire message uh, of this psalm. And every verse, I know there's two where there's no specific word for uh, the word of God, but every verse implies how we handle how the word of God affects our lives, and as we're watching this psalm build, he come, he begins in verse one and through eight with an overview. Verse nine is the young man. Verse two is the plea, Lord, you've got to help me. We uh, this third set, starting with verse twenty-five, the psalmist is in trouble and he's admitting his distress, and again. He, he is, as all of us are, when we're in distress, the number one person we're concerned about is me. And the most, per, the person I should be least concerned about with is me. And so he takes the next set, the hay strophe, and he, he says, teach me, O Lord. Then we look at verse 41 and and he said, listen, I, I think I'm getting a hold of this thing. When God does his work, it's not because of me, it's because of God. And now in the uh, verses, the one we looked at, verse 49 through 56, he is now saying, listen, remember thy word. He said, I've got comfort. The whole theme is staying in the way. Blessed are the undefiled in the way. That, that is the idea. And as you and I both know, we struggle as Christians to stay in the way. And it's so easy to get out of the way or discontented in the way or say, uh, as the young man gave the testimony tonight, sometimes I wonder why I'm doing what I'm doing. 
He said, now, verse 49 through 55, he said, listen, I, I got an idea why I'm doing what I'm doing. The Word of God is here. And I have comfort. The only comfort you can have is in this book called the Bible. When you are faced with struggling with your salvation, struggling with life, I often, people say, well, Pastor, how can I know I'm saved? Well, it's real easy. You've got to go back to the Word. Everything's in the Word. Everything is right here. And he says, I've got comfort in the way. And, and what I've titled this set, the, what we're looking at tonight, the eighth set of eight verses, again, we're going to see the psalmist's focus going back to himself. But it's an entirely different way. In 25 through 32, he says, listen, I'm in trouble. God, you've got to understand. I'm not sure if you're watching, but I want you to know, I'm in trouble. Has anybody ever been there? Now he's saying, now wait a minute, Lord. We're getting this thing together. We're actually working on the same page. Have you ever woke up uh, it's, it's better if you do it this way and just realize all of a sudden the light turns on. I am actually being used by God. Has anybody ever had that? I mean, that is a wonderful thing. Now, don't get, don't get too excited because what happens is if you get too much focus on you, you're going to turn your eyes away from the Lord and you're Right down. And when we get down here to verse 81, we're going to find out that's what happened in the life of the psalmist. He, he was down for the count. He wasn't expecting this. It's because he'd gotten out of the way. But look at verse 57. He says, Thou art my portion, O Lord. I don't know why the spell checker in my computer, every time you put that O in there, it brings it up as a bad word, as a misspelled word, and it is not. It's just an exclamation. It is pointing the direction to the Lord. He says, Thou art my portion. Now, the idea of a portion, I mean, most people think, okay, I go to the restaurant and they're giving me too much, but I hope Mayor Bloomberg doesn't get his way and they start taking it away, right? Uh, uh, they're going to take, somebody told me the other day, they're going to take all the salt and all the sugar out of your ketchup. So what's it going to be? Red juice. Uh, but the whole thought here is of portion. Has nothing to do with the amount of food that's on your plate or the amount of french fries in your Happy Meal, etc., etc. Uh, it's an inheritance. It's an allotment. When the victors gathered after the battle is the first time the word portion is used in the, bat, in the Bible is Abraham's returning from the slaughter of the kings and uh, the king of Sodom is there watching as Abraham is dividing up the spoil. And Melchizedek's getting a tenth of it and he's going, oh man, he's going to give away everything. Well, silly, you already lost it in battle. But the idea of a portion, 
is an inheritance. It's something that comes to you. It would be most precious if you've ever received a, an inheritance, something from your rich uncle, Gert, uh, rich uncle or rich Aunt Gertrude or something like that. It's something to be worthy. It's something to be very, it's something to be treasured. Now, when we get down to verse um, 61, we're going to find out that the psalmist knows what it means to lose possessions. He said, they've robbed me. Right here, he's making an explanation that my portion, my most precious possession is one that can't be taken. How many of you remember when Jesus was preaching in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, don't lay up your treasures here on earth. Moth and rust doth corrupt. Thieves break through and steal. Lay up your treasure in heaven. When he talks to the churches in, in the book of Revelation, he said, listen, you think you have what you need because you have a bank account. You have of this world's goods, but you don't have what you need because you don't have me. The psalmist says, listen, I understand something. The greatest thing I can have in my life is the Lord. That is my portion that is what I want my inheritance to be. My most prized possession is one that cannot be taken. That's why we keep stressing. Listen, if you memorize the verses from this book, they can take away your Bible, but they can't take away the truth. Amen? Then he makes an interesting statement. One that you and I might think almost arrogant on the part of the psalmist if we did not read it carefully and put it in the context of everything that is here. He said, I have said that I would keep thy words. Now, most of the time when you and I talk about like that, I said I was going to do it and I did it. That's not what the psalmist is really trying to put forth here. You see... If ye love me, what, what are we supposed to do? Keep my commandments. If you understand that this is your portion, that God's presence and God's word is your greatest possession, it's going to drive you to obedience. But the idea, we go back to the last eight verses, and, and he says, listen, Lord, Way, way back when I was a young man, I, I promised you I would keep your word. If you would enlarge my heart, I was going to run in your ways, all of these different promises. He said, I'm old enough now, Lord. We talked about it back then, but I'm doing it now. There is no greater blessing that you can have in your life than to set your direction to serve God and then wake up one day 20, 30 years later and say, listen, I am doing what God has set the direction in my life to do. I don't go through I'm, uh, the old prayer letters, but we were, uh, well, I won't tell you how old my wife was, but 
I was almost 27 years old when we moved here to New York City, and we wrote prayer letters to churches that supported us for the next eight years. In every one of those letters, we asked them to pray that this church would be established right here in New York City. I'll tell you what, I can't explain to you and cannot put it in words, the joy that was in my heart when I wrote the last prayer letter, not because I hate writing prayer letters. Uh, It is not my favorite thing to do, but to write that letter to those churches and say, now listen, you've been supporting us, some of them uh, close to 10 years. We've been serving in the city here for eight years, and now I'm writing you and letting you know that our church doesn't need your support. We want you to invest it in other works. You see, I'm old enough now. I'm, I'm supposed to be experiencing midlife crisis. Uh, I don't have time. Uh, we'll figure it out later, all right? But the reason why people get that way is because they wake up one day and they say, what have I done with my life? The psalmist is finally old enough to look back on his life and he says, listen, thou art my portion, O Lord. Every good thing that has happened in my life has happened because of you. I said I was going to keep your words and and right now I'm going to keep your words. Now, if David was the author of this psalm, do you think the Chethstroth probably came before Bathsheba? I do. He said, I said that I would keep thy words. He said, I'm doing it. It's the greatest joy you can have in your life. Find God's direction. Find it now. God wants you to know more than you do. Set that direction. And maybe one day you'll wake up and rejoice with David. And say, Lord, you set the direction of my life this way. I'm glad God called me to a story of Queens to start the Open Door Bible Baptist Church. And I'm glad we can rejoice together and say the Lord has accomplished His Word. But you know what? Let's get to work. It's time for us to get to work. There's a lot more to do. And verse 58 says, I have entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. I like what I put it in here. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, got to show you that I do study. Amen. No. Uh, A fully assured, and I missed a word, Christian. No, a fully assured possession of God does not set aside prayer, but rather urges us to it. If you were to read this again, you would say, now, wait a minute. The psalmist is saying, listen, wow, I've done all this and God has blessed me because of what I know. The psalmist is saying, listen, how do we entreat God's favor? How do we ask God to bless us? It's real simple. Obey his word. He said, God, I have obeyed your word. 
Now I'm asking you to be merciful unto me according to thy word. The greatest and most precious promises that we can have are right here. But most of the time, we as Christians don't spend the time to find out what those promises are so that we can ask God to give them to us. The answers are here, are they not? Would you say amen? amen. Is there any question you're going to face that the answer isn't already written down right here? Every question you're going to face, every problem that's going to be in your life, the answers are already here. But we don't know what the future holds now, do we? The key to knowing God's will, doing God's will, being in God's will, is being obedient today. Is taking that little bit of God's word that we can grab a hold of today and just saying, yes, Lord. That's how the psalmist entreated the favor of God with his whole heart. We could go back and look up the verses. He said, I want to keep thy word with my whole heart. Look at verse 34. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law, yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. As we understand God's law, there's two things we're going to be faced with. The first thing we ought to be faced with is our sinfulness and our failures. Amen? The second thing is God's mercy and His blessings. If we could understand that we have a relationship with God, most of us have relationships with other human beings. If you don't maintain that relationship, if you don't build that relationship, if you don't work on that thing, you in essence are tearing it down. If a husband and a wife decide that they're too busy to speak to one another for two weeks, let me tell you something, things bad are going to happen in that marriage. You can't be that far apart and keep your marriage heading in the right direction. You got to spend time together. Do we spend time with the Lord? Do we entreat his favor? Do we ask, look at God? God says, try me, prove my words. He says, see if I won't pour out a blessing on you that you can't receive. He's talking about giving to the Lord. But the application of those verses are, should be in every part of your life. He says, I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me. According to thy word, how many of us would say, Lord, I've read in your word what you've promised to do in my life because of my obedience, and I want you to fulfill your word in my life. That's a scary prayer, isn't it? But if we don't spend our time in the word, we're not going to find out the promises and we're not going to be able to ask God to fulfill them. 
This is how the psalmist is moving through this. He's, he's actually building confidence. He's growing in his maturity and in his desire to serve God. Now look at verse 59. He takes this thing and he just kind of runs with it through the next few verse, verses here. He says, I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. Now how many of you have said, I just wasn't thinking when I did that? Oh, man. I mean, is the Bible current events or what? I mean, is it on time? I mean, is it describing what's going on in our life? The psalmist is expressing his confidence. He said, I took time to think on my ways. So many times if we just take a moment and pray and say, God, help me to think about what I ought to do. We know the answer, don't we? It just, I mean, we know what we ought to do. He says, and turn my feet unto thy testimonies. If you will allow your thought life to be tempered, to be controlled by the word of God, it will change where your feet go. It will change your activity. Wow, we're not going to get through this one tonight. Let's, let's just take a minute here. I want us just to think about thinking for a minute, all right? Can we do that? How many of you remember the brazen altar from the Old Testament tabernacle? What was the brazen altar made out of? Wood which is always a picture of the spirit or the person of man all through the tabernacle. Gold-covered wood is a picture of Jesus Christ. Amen? Gold, deity, wood, the spirit of man, the God-man that was put together. That's why the candlestick has no wood in it, because there's no light in the spirit of man, even if it is controlled by the divine nature. It's all of God. Amen? So what is brass-covered wood? Well, that's the spirit of man, mankind. But what is brass pictured of in the Bible? Judgment. You see, the spirit of man must be controlled or bound by the judgments of God in order to perform God's bidding. Amen? Are we still together here? I mean, you got to think about this. This isn't, this isn't kindergarten. But what was the brazen altar for? The daily sacrifice. The picture is not Christ's sacrifice. That happened without the camp. That was not offered on the brazen altar, that was the blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat. The body of that animal was burned in a clean place outside the camp. It's a picture of our daily surrender to God. That fire burning is the death of ourself. The embers from that altar are what are what were to burn the incense on the golden altar, which is a picture of prayer. Now, he says, 
I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. If we allow ourselves to be controlled and constrained, by the way, what constrains the Christian? The commandments of God? Does anybody remember the verse? The love of Christ constraineth us. Uh, might we be dealing with a parallel here? The love of Christ constrains us and the commandments of Christ because it's God's love that gives us his commandments. And as the, the thoughts of the psalmist, thinking about what he is doing, matching it up to what God's word says, immediately begins to turn the direction of his feet to line up with the constraints of God's testimonies. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Wouldn't it be wonderful if that were a reality in our lives? Now, before we go much further, I want, I want to remind you, you don't have to have six hours of devotions every morning to turn your feet unto his ways. But you've got to get into the word. You've got to get the word into you. See, the first verse here says, Thou art my portion. If we could be satisfied... As the psalmist said many times, I will be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. If we could be satisfied, if we could understand that what we're reaching for, if you can touch it with your hands, is worthless. Heaping up the ashes of this life. He says, but thou art my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep thy words. There's not a person in this room here tonight that has not said at one time in their life, as far as I'm looking at, I mean, if you're a Bible college student, you signed your name on the line, I'm going to keep the words here, or I'm going to get kicked out of school, amen? Uh, you, you said, I'm going to live the way the Bible tells me I ought to live. I know everyone in this room tonight. And every one of us has said, I want to keep thy words. Isn't it true? And if I were to ask you to raise your hands, how many of us have not kept his words this week? Okay, come on, identify. If you can't be honest at church, you're not going to be honest anywhere. We've messed up. We don't have the confidence that the psalmist is talking about here. But maybe we could think about it a little bit. If we ask God to help us to think on our ways and match them up with God's words. Now, you don't have to be around here long to know that we don't think much of psychobabble. All right, our psychologist and all of that kind of stuff. 
I mean, they do help some people, and we're glad for that. But if you want real help, you've got to get past that. You've got to go a little further beyond that. You've got to let God start changing things on the inside. And the only way that's going to happen is you've got to understand that the Lord is the portion, is the greatest thing you can possess. If you can just touch the hem of his garment, if you can hold on to what God has... He said, listen, we've all said this, but are we doing what we said? If not, let's go back to verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Maybe our prayer ought to be, I'm not so young anymore, Lord, but let me start back in verse 9 and try again. Everything that's in the Bible is a progression except salvation. Salvation is an event. But if you're going to grow in grace, that means it's a progression, doesn't it? If you're going to learn to enjoy the things of God, there's a learning process there. And we've got to get into that program that God has for us. And God will build us to the point to where you could actually wake up and say, whoa, wait a minute. I remember back then when I said this was something that was going to happen, and it actually happened. Then get on your knees and say, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus. You be the sinner. You see, I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. We want God to fulfill his word. I mean, how many of you think about how nice this world will be when we're finally done with Congress and the Prince of Peace rules from the city of peace? And there's no more blindness in Albany. <laughs> Amen. Our governor is blind, actually, legally blind. But that is the least of his problems, trust me. You see, I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. How many of you have hesitated in doing what's right? only to find out it was too late to do anything about it by the time you were done hesitating. Oh man, this is where the devil gets so many people. And the psalmist is not commending himself as much as he is warning the rest who read his psalm. You don't have time to delay. How many of you remember the testimony of our soldiers in combat? Said, you don't have time to think. You don't have time to react. All you have time to do is do what you've been trained to do. That's what keeps them alive. The ones that have to stop and think about it. Don't live to tell about it. The first half of this strophe. We'll just stop there tonight. He said, listen, Lord, I've realized what the most important thing I can have is that you 
I've realized that we've set this direction all these years ago when I was just a young man, Lord, and, and we're actually still heading in that direction. I love to be around older preachers. You know why? Because they tell me it still can be done. I love to be around men that have been serving God 40 and 50 and 60 and more years. Uh, I guess my wife's in the nursery, but we were at a church years ago, and the pastor was celebrating his 52nd anniversary as pastor of that church. And just talked to a lady from that church, and Oh, we're 57 now, pastor's still going strong. Wow. 57 years serving the Lord in one pulpit. That's an amazing thing. I think that's somebody that thought on his ways and allowed his feet to be turned unto thy testimonies. Amen. Someone who didn't delay. Someone who didn't wait said, I made haste. Now, the Bible says, he that hasteth with his feet sinneth. If you're in a hurry to do what you want to do, you're not thinking about where you're going. Amen. But if your feet have been turned to the testimonies of the Lord, you better get moving. There's no need to delay. When you know what God wants you to do, don't wait, or you're going to find yourself in a whole heap of trouble. How God's Word affects my life. The treatise or the treatment of the Word of God. We can't entreat His favor without obedience to His Word. That unlocks the key of our understanding to the beauties that are in this book. As we understand what's in this book, then we'll be able to think on our ways and allow him to move us in the direction he wants us to move. And we're not going to wait until it's too late to obey. Amen? So we'll try to pick up the second half there, Lord willing, next Thursday night. But let's just pray and ask God.